Welcome everybody again to Marin Covenant Church. My name is Ben Kearns. I'm one of the pastors here on staff and it is always so good to be together. It's so fun to start a new series and a series where we're digging in to a passage of scripture. You know, what's so fun about the Bible is that the Bible is this incredible book, right? It's something that um, it's simple enough for fourth graders to get their heads around some of it and complex enough that people can dedicate their entire lives and study and still never mind all the depth and riches that God has within it. Well, when Kay and I uh, were in college, uh, we both fell in love with with Jesus in college and were really involved in college ministries. And if you were ever part of a college ministry, you were mentored by old people in the faith, you know, people who were 25 and 26. And uh, they were just these older Christians who just invested in us like crazy and helped us navigate all the complexities of God's word. And uh, by the time Kay and I were were 22, we just got married and we moved to Napa to do ministry. And uh, college ministry was in our blood. And so we said to our pastor, okay, Pastor Ed, we need, we want to be mentored. We want to be discipled just like we had been in college. And, and, uh, and Ed said to my wife, said, I have just the perfect person for you. This woman, Laura Peters, she's incredible. And so uh, Katie drove over there one afternoon to Laura Peters' house. And I was all excited for her to go and continue to be mentored as we had this brand new season of ministry. And she came back and, uh, and I was like, Katie, how was it? Who's this woman? What was it like? And she's like, oh man, she's old. I'm like, well, gosh, what, like 30? I mean, gosh, how old are we talking here? And she's like, no, she's old, old. So to give you context, she's like Lennonberg old, like Joyce and Ray Lennonberg old. Um, you know, this woman, she's in her 70s, and, um, and, and Kay was like, it, it's kind of different, but I think it's going to be okay. And what was interesting is, you know, as a 22-year-old wanting to be these superstars in ministry and know God's word and understand all the stuff in theology, she would bring all these questions to Laura and Laura who knew the stuff better, uh, you know, in the back of her hand. She's this incredible godly woman. Um, She'd always just kind of keep pushing back like, Katie, why are you so worried about this? Why are you always anxious about these things that you can't control? Why don't you just trust Jesus? Don't you understand how deeply he loves you? How much he loves you? I mean, God's love is incredible. And week in and week out, she just talked about how much God loved her. And, and every time Kay would come back, I'd be like, that's what? You talked about God's love again? Like, come on, when are you going to get to the meat? Because, you know, we were young and stupid. And now as we're getting a little bit older, I realized what an incredible investment Laura Peters had on my wife and on us to recognize that all the incredible theology, all the complex history, all the ethics, all the stuff that is in scripture, which is so important for us to wrestle with, it is all nothing unless it is deeply rooted in the love of God. In the love of God, not just in this generic oh, thing, but this, the love of God, which is specific to each and every one of us. And as we begin this new uh, series, that's really um, Laura Peters' prayer for my wife is really our pastoral heart prayer to you as our church, that you would be rooted and established in God's love. I love this passage in Ephesians that we're going to be looking at. It's Ephesians chapter 3, verses, um, uh, we begin 14, but the prayer is 16 to 19. And we're going to take a look at this passage, this prayer that Paul has for the people of the church in Ephesus, and we're going to sit in it, and we're going to marinate in it, and we're going to hope that this is the prayer for us individually and for us corporately. So we are starting in this new series called Digging In. This is our prayer for MCC, Ephesians chapter 3. Um, verses 16 and 14 to 16. And, uh, and this is our prayer and my prayer for this sermon, which is this, it's for this reason that I kneel and pray. Found in Ephesians chapter three, verse 14 to 16, it begins like this. For this reason, I kneel before the father for whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. And I pray that, and then it goes into the prayer. But Paul begins for this reason. 
And if we're going to understand what this reason is, we need to understand what is the context of this book. This book, this letter, is a letter from the Apostle Paul written to the church in Ephesus. And uh, if you know where uh, uh, Ephesus is, Jeff will give you a hundred doll hairs uh, for that. So this is the map uh, of, of one of Paul's missionary journeys. This is Paul's third missionary journey. So in Paul's second missionary journey during 49 to uh, 52 AD, he stops in the church and uh, he went to Ephesus and he established a church. This is his third missionary journey, which was over 2,500 miles. And in those 2,500 miles, he was traveling for four years. And of those four years, he spent two of them in Ephesus. And in the church of Ephesus, he established this church. He talked about the good news of the gospel of Jesus. This good news of the gospel of Jesus, that you were once foreigners, you were far away from God, but you have been adopted into the family of God. Because at this point in the story of God, the gospel was simply for Jewish people. It was, an, it was a, the fullness, the full version of what it meant to be God's people. But now that gospel was extended to all humans, to all people on earth. And so the, the, began this unified family, this multi ethnic family from every socioeconomic background, from every ethnic background is now united under the family of God. And in this new family, we are now to be rooted and established in love. Well, after this missionary journey, Paul, uh, he does more travels. He ends up in prison and he writes this letter to this church in Ephesus. And as he's writing to this church in Ephesus, um, in the middle of this prayer, his last word to the church wanting to make sure they understand the gospel, want to make sure they understand what it means to be adopted into the family of God, want to make sure they know what it means to live fully in lives that are rooted and established in Christ. But in the very center is this prayer. It's the gospel rooted in love. And so it's the gospel and all of its implications are the reason why we're doing this. Every single thing we do is rooted in the gospel. It's the reason why Paul gave up his life and traveled thousands and thousands of miles establishing in the church. It's why we are here in Marin, called to be light, called to be the extension of God's mercy and grace. We are called to present the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so that all who receive that grace know that salvation is for them. And it's not just saved once we go to heaven one day. It's the salvation that we are saved over and over, continually, continually, as we're molded in the image of Christ. It's a salvation that requires our own personal piety and transformation and sanctification, as well as the gospel that's rooted and established in action, full of justice and mercy. So this is the gospel that Paul talks about through all of Ephesians. And it's summed up in this prayer in Ephesians chapter three, verse 16 to 19, that we are rooted and established in love. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to unpack just this first couple of verses, which is kind of the introduction to the prayer, right? It says, for this reason, I kneel before the father for whom every family in heaven and on earth derive its name. And then I pray that. But I thought it would be helpful is we actually need to unpack this in reverse. I think if we unpack it in reverse, it'll make more sense to what we're trying to do. So for this reason, I kneel before the Father for whom every family in heaven and on earth derive its name. Every family in heaven and on earth derive its name. Now for us, we need to understand that this is a mind-blowing realization. Because if you were a Jewish person, you knew that you were part of the family of God. You were God's chosen people. Of course, God loved you. He saw you. He made covenants with you. You were God's people. And now this gospel was not just for the Jewish people, but it was for the Gentiles. And they were to be invited into this family of God. That all of a sudden, every people groups were to be included in the good news of Christ. 
right? It's the, the name and that every family name, like your family name was your core identity. It was your rootedness. It was the thing that established who you were. And now we're saying that God is the king and head over every family on heaven and on earth. There is now no division among us because we are rooted this way. So we understand that the gospel is for everyone. The gospel is for everyone, even you. And the reason why I say even you is because it's interesting as you read through scripture, the Old Testament, it implies God's love for sure. But it doesn't say it as explicitly as I think we want because, but as I was reflecting on this, I think it's because we understand that Jewish people understood that they were God's favorite people. They were his chosen people, but the people adopted into the family of God needed to know over and over again that they were loved and seen and valuable parts of the family, right? So in the Matthew, Mark, and Luke, um, very rarely does it talk about God's explicit love for his people, but the gospel of John, the, the gospel that went out to the Greeks, made sure for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. You read the letters of Paul and Paul makes it so clear that you were rooted and established in love because God wants people to know that his adopted children are his favorite children as well. They, are, they are, have access to all of God's love and affection. And uh, it's interesting, I've, I've known plenty of, of people who've been adopted over the years and I've known plenty of parents who have adopted children over the years. And there is just this, this deep wound, this deep insecurity of, am I really part of the family? I see the biological kids, I see the biological family. I don't look like them, I don't act like them. Am I part of the family? And parents bend over backwards over and over to let them know that they are loved. But it is this wound that we carry. And I think people who are new to the faith, new to the church, they wonder, am I really loved by God? And over and over and over again, we have to clarify that yes, you are loved by God. You're part of God's family. You are all in. The gospel is for everyone, even you. And what's interesting is I remember even as a kid, I wasn't adopted, but I was a stepson. And I think sometimes the stepson, it feels like being adopted. You know, my mom was chosen, my dad was chosen, and then I kind of got brought along. And you always kind of live this life wondering, do I fit in? Am I in? Am I part of the family of all these histories and rhythms and traditions? Are those for me or are they not for me? And I always remember reflecting on my childhood, feeling on the outside of those things. And so we as the family of God, we must be aware that there are people who feel on the outside of our church family here at Marine Covenant, of the church in general. And for those of us who understand that we are God's kids, it is our job as the older siblings to make sure the floodgates are wide open so people understand that they are part of the family of God. They are precious daughters and sons. You see, the gospel is for everyone, even you. The second thing, right? So it says, for this reason, I kneel before the father for whom every family in heaven on earth derive its name. So for this reason, I kneel before the father. You see the very root of our relationship with God is a relational connection to God, that he is our heavenly father. And because of that, the gospel recalibrates every relationship. Every relationship in which we have now is seen completely different. We no longer are the kings of our own world. We are no longer the tops of the pyramids. We are children of God. God is our heavenly father. He's the head of our household and we are his children. And what I love is that in the beginning of Ephesians, he just makes this explicitly clear. It says, for he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight, in love. Again, in love, making sure he knows all of you adopted children in love. He predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure in his will. You see the gospel, it does, it recalibrates every 
relationship. How fun to think this God who is like what Katie prayed, holy and awesome and all powerful and controlling of all these things also is relational. He sees us. I mentioned this in the Christmas Eve service, but when we talked about how God is our heavenly father and he sees us, like when we see our kids from playing sports or in a play, you see all the kids and that's great, but you zero in on your kid. They're the object of your affection. And we as God's children, we are the object of God's affection. But not only are we individually the objects of God's affection, here's the challenge part. We are also in this really broad, wild, crazy, diverse family, which means other Christians are our sisters and brothers. And it was written, this was written in a time when kinship, when kinship was the most important bond that you had among people. Who your family was, who your blood relatives were, that was the most important thing. And you would die to care for your blood relatives. But what's happened is now that we're adopted into the family of God, right? It's now all of a sudden those relationships are broadened. And we live in a context where we write off our brothers, we write off our sisters, we write off our crazy uncles, we write off our crazy aunts and our parents. We have all these language around boundaries and we just want to keep everyone who's not like us away from us. But we need to remember that, we are, that that's not how God designed family. Family is connected and committed to one another. And so, well, I just want to say it's, it's broken my heart to watch the way that Christians, people in the family of God have treated their sisters and brothers um, not just in this last week, in these last couple months, in these last years, but for a very long time, we've lived in this ideological rigidity where if you don't believe the way I believe, then you are cut out. But we don't cut out our, our kids. We don't cut out our sisters. We don't cut out our brothers. We debate them. We wrestle with them. We figure it out, we, but we do not relationally cut them out. And so I think God is inviting us to have a broader heart towards our sisters and brothers that we should be mesmerized by the weird ways they understand the world, the weird ways in which they understand scriptures and to engage them because they are part of our family because it's the gospel that recalibrates every relationship. So the gospel is for everyone. It's even for you. And the, the gospel, it recalibrates every relationship. And the last point is this, that the gospel requires action. For this reason, I kneel before the Father for whom every family on heaven and on earth derives its name. For this reason, I kneel. And when you think of the word kneel, it's a word of submission. It's a word of humility towards God. I always think of the passage in Philippians 2, right? Every, every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And I realize, man, as a super prideful man, um, maybe I can kneel. And if I kneel, it's like, it's like begrudgingly. And if I kneel, uh, when I even think of kneeling for God, it's really out of duty and out of service, right? That's how my posture is when I think of the word kneel. And you think of how our cultures, we don't kneel for anybody and for anything. And yet God invites us to have this relationship in where we kneel. And so yes, part of kneeling is submission. Part of kneeling is humility. But as I was doing studying, there's this other way in which kneeling is, is understood. It's this idea of reverence, of readiness. It's this heightened feeling of intent. And I realized, gosh, that happens almost nowhere in my life. And, uh, and the, uh, a couple weeks ago, or a while ago, Kay and I were, um, were having a hard discussion and, and I thought I would do something that no 45 uh, year old man does and that's share his feelings. 
Um, I've been working on this for like the last 10 years about figuring out I have feelings and I have emotions and maybe I should share them. And so I mustered up all the strength I could and, uh, and I sat down with Katie. In fact, I was too scared to sit down with Katie. So I write her, wrote her a little letter first so I could figure out what I was thinking and feeling. And I had her read this letter and then I wasn't sure how she was going to take it. And so I was kind of girded up because whenever Katie tried to share her feelings, I was like, what? I don't understand what you're talking about. And so here I was trying to be vulnerable and not sure how she was going to take it. And so she's reading this letter and I'm watching her kind of gird up. And as she's reading this letter, all of a sudden I'm watching her face become kind and soft and a little sad for me. And then the weirdest thing happened. She leaned in and kind of kneeled down and took my hand. And I was kind of taken back. Like, what do I do with this? Like it was the weirdest thing. And, and thinking back, I'm like, oh, this is probably what Katie wants from me when she shares her feelings. So I'm, I'm learning, Fu. Slow, I'm a slow learner. But, when, but it, 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 it unlocked this passage of scripture for me to realize that we kneel before the Father, not out of duty, not out of submission, which those are true, but we're kneeling before the Father out of this heightened feeling and intent. We recognize God's overwhelming power, his overwhelming grace, his overwhelming love and affection. And we just kind of lean in, but we lean in in a submissive way, in a heartfelt way, wanting God to show up in a mighty and mighty way. So it says, for this reason, I kneel. It's for this reason, I lean in. It's for this reason, I make my posture in such a way that I want our father, who's the father of all families in heaven on earth, it's for this reason that I pray that out of his glorious riches, right, that he would strengthen you with power in your innermost being so that you would come to know and experience the love of Christ. You'd be rooted and established. We're going to memorize the whole thing, right? But that's the God's, that is the prayer. And our posture is that sort of leaning in to embrace all that God has for us. And so as we wrap up, the, um, as I wrap up the series and we begin this new year, like I said, I love the way that it begins like this. I, for this reason, I kneel, which means we need to be people who are people of action that have the right posture towards God. And so here's a couple action items of, as I think as we lean into 2021, as we lean into this new sermon series, here's a couple ideas for, for us to try on. These are things that I'm doing, that I'm choosing to do. These are some, you all have things that you do, but here's a couple other things to be thinking about so that you can be the kind of person who is rooted in God's love. You are rooted in the word of God. Now, listen, we need to be people who are all about wrestling through the theology and understanding the history and figuring out the ethical implications and knowing how to put it into action to be people of mercy and justice. Those are all things that we have to be about. But if it's not rooted in love, then we miss it. And these are things that help us get there. So the first is a rule of life. A rule of life is simply, it's a, it's a, it's a rhythm that you establish to make sure that you are doing the things that you need to do to follow God. You have a rule of life of how you do work. You have a rule of life of how you eat. You have a rule of life of how you exercise or not exercise, but you also need a rule of life of how you engage God, how you read scripture, when you're going to read scripture, how you're going to journal or prayer, or what prayer exercises you're going to do. If you, if you want to talk more about that, I would love nothing more than that. The second is we're encouraging everybody to memorize uh, Ephesians chapter three, verse 16 to 19. And actually the portion, we're going to do little bits. So it's just along the way. And this little bit is, I pray that. Let's all say it together. I pray that. Boom. 
Jackpot, A pluses already. You're on your way. So memorize Ephesians chapter three, verse 16 to 17. And then to do what Jeff says, uh, that Jeff pointed out earlier, the discipleship experiments on the homepage of our website. Every single month, he has some sort of experiment, some way to grow in your spiritual formation and your biblical um, understanding. And this week, this month is all about studying God's word, listening to God's word, being molded and shaped by God's word. And then finally, we have to be people who put our faith into practice. So if we find a place to serve, there's a couple of places that we're committed to as a church body, whether that's at Hamilton um, or with the unsheltered. There's lots of places that you personally are serving. But in COVID, it's so easy to just be by ourselves, to be isolated and alone. But if we're not putting our faith into action, then we are missing out than all that God has for us. Well, this is going to be a wild year, just like the years before it. But we get to be God's people. And it is so exciting and invigorating to think what God might have for his people in the whole wide world. But I'm super pumped about what God might have for this group of people right here at Marine Covenant Church. And we want to be all about the kingdom of God, but we're going to do it being rooted and established in love. We cannot wait to run this race together this year. And so as we get ready to wrap up this morning, let me just offer up a prayer for, for you and for me, and then we'll, we'll worship together and then we'll call it quits and watch some football. So let's pray. Heavenly Father and our gracious God, Heavenly Father and our gracious God, what a mind-blowing reality that you, the creator of the universe, the all-powerful Holy One, have made it possible through your son, Jesus, to adopt all of us wild and rebellious and broken and sinful people into your family of God. You've forgiven us, you've healed us, you've transformed us. So God, may we come to know your love deep, deep in our heart. And may we extend that love to our wild sisters and brothers who just drive us crazy. May we have grace for them. May we be connected to them and care for them and specifically for our sisters and brothers here in Marin Covenant Church, may we be a family that models your family, that gives hope to a world that is so isolated and alienated from one another. And this morning, my prayer for myself and, and for our church is that we would be people that would kneel before you. Yes, out of submission and yes, out of humility, but out of this heightened feeling and intent that we just long to be close to you. We long to love you back. We long to be a blessing to you. So like the ancient hymn says, God, we pray that you would bind our hearts to you so that we may be people that would give you honor and glory both now and forevermore. And all of God's kids said, amen and amen.